0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host Nick,
0: I'm Imran, and I'm Ashwin.
1: Yeah, we've actually got three of us here, all of a sudden convening for an impromptu podcast. We do apologise for not getting a podcast out after the last game. But uh, with the quick turnaround in all these games nowadays, getting things edited and out is not always easy. Uh, Plus, myself and Imran were at the match last night, right Imran? Yep. And yeah, I didn't get back till about midnight, so there was no chance of recording after that. But yeah, we're recording this the day after in the afternoon. Uh, we will obviously be focusing on that Spurs game. Uh, we drill mentioned Newcastle and there was even ammonia since we last kind of uh, recorded. But I mean, I was very happy after this performance last night. I mean, it's got to be the best performance of the season. Best performance under Ten Hag. Uh, I wasn't feeling that confident before this game, I have to say. And there was kind of that feeling around a lot of people at Old Trafford. Uh, you know, Ericsson didn't make the lineup. We'd come off not scoring against Newcastle, only getting a late goal to kind of win against Ammonia. So I mean, yeah, I don't know how you were feeling pre-match, Imran.
2: Yeah, I wasn't that confident either. Not that I'm ever that confident about oh, United, yeah, but exactly. You uh, never are. D- you never are. I mean, we had a we had a frustrating time against um, Newcastle, and I thought that might continue, especially because Spurs play a similar kind of football to Newcastle, and they aim to frustrate, aim to sit back, uh, aim to catch us on the counter, and just you know, Conte. Ball tactics, of time wasting, um, doing all that shit. So I was, I was expecting another game similar to the Newcastle game, but thankfully it was, it was nothing like that.
1: No, exactly. And uh, I don't know which. One. do you put this more down to how good we were or how poor Spurs were?
0: Um, both. Uh, it just felt like they were so passive, and that actually played into um, what we were trying to do. It seemed like we were trying to press right from the start. So. Um that definitely helped. Our build up play was really good. But we also again Spurs were they just sat off us so much that it wasn't like we were under pressure very often. So um I think it was a little bit of both, but you could because of how passive Spurs were, I think you could see very clearly like what the long term vision is for what he wants us to be doing week in, week out, every match consistently. Um I don't think we're at the point where, you know, we saw it with Newcastle, right? They came and they were willing to press higher against us and take chances, and we struggled a bit, especially early in that match. So um, there's still work to be done. But I mean, yesterday was great. It was probably the most dominant victory we've had in a few years. And um, you know, we've had teams be passive against us before and really struggled to to break them down or even just control them and 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 also keep it tight at the back. You know, not concede a bunch of counterattacking opportunities. So. The fact that we were able to dominate in possession, create chances, and I don't... I mean, Spurs barely created anything. Uh, that, that definitely just speaks volumes about how far we've come along early under Ten Hag.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Spurs were down at 0. 0.6 xG. I was actually surprised that we were only at 1.7. I was expecting it to look a lot higher than that because we had so many chances. There was, mm. you know, several big saves, Uh, there actually isn't that big a difference between the XG for Spurs and Newcastle. So does show you that XG doesn't always kind of paint the right picture of how these games go. I mean, Newcastle was 1.4 versus 0.8, whereas this Tottenham game, we're at 1.7 versus 0.6. I mean, both times we've obviously kept the opposition to not many chances. Uh, But yeah, I did expect to be looking a lot higher than that after this Spurs game. I thought, you know, we were worthy of maybe even another couple of goals in this game.
2: Yeah, I think if we'd uh, won three or four, I don't think that would have been too flattering at all. But Spurs were really shit. Like, really, really shit. They were the worst teams come to Old Trafford by far this season. I don't know how their third barely passed to each other. Um, Bissouma, who I quite rate, was appalling in the middle of the pack. All the centre-backs had a terrible game. Perisic um, just couldn't deal with Dallow at all. It was, you yeah, they were all awful. I thought Harry Kane tried his best to feed off scraps, but even that was an impossible task. Yeah, they were really shit.
0: Was Hoiberg... Hoiberg started, and I think I yep. remember him doing one thing. Like, I remember his hearing his name once or twice, and that was it, the entire match.
2: Yeah, afterwards we were walking down and said, did Hoiberg start? Yeah, he did. And, like, it, they were <laughs> just... They were awful. Uh, but, I mean, we, we, we made them look awful as well by how good we were. <laughs> like, let's no, no, not take anything away from us. Like, yes, they can be awful, but then we can, we, we, we can match teams in their awfulness at times. Um, we didn't yesterday, we were intense, lively energetic for the most part um, and yeah having lots of shots, and to be fair a lot of them were from outside the box, probably why the XG was quite low um, but they were actually decent shots from outside the box, yeah some of them were a bit wild but like generally you had the Casemiro shot, that was good Anthony hit the post um, Fred forced a save, Bruno had that save from the free kick, so you know there, there were there were some good shots from outside the box and then we obviously did create chances in the, in the box as well for Rashford
1: yeah, and I think yeah, Yoris Eur- made several good saves, especially two or three from Rashford. A uh, couple, yeah, there was one in the corner as well. So I, yeah, like I said, I'm surprised the XG is as low as that. But yeah, I know some of there wasn't. There was probably only a couple from Rashford, which you probably thought he could have done better with. But I don't know whether you put that down to great saves or Rashford just being slightly off. The last uh, one I did.
2: So the first one, I think he probably should score the, the, the first chance in the first half. In the first probably, half, yeah. He probably needs to do better with that one. Could even take it close to goal. The second one where he kind of controlled it on his back, obviously very intentionally, um, and then danced around a bit. I thought like, he did as well with that as he could. He probably could have tried to roof it, but he created it all himself, and it was with his weak foot. Fair enough. And then the last one I think is a terrific save from Larice. Yeah. And again, maybe he should score, but it's, that is a genuinely quality save from Larice.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with that. That last save was outstanding. And, you know, me, like you were in the stadium, you don't always appreciate these things until you see some of the highlights, Uh, you know, in the stadium, you get an idea. And sometimes you can see extra bits about where players are, where players are running, but things like that on actual saves and things we don't actually always get to see till afterwards. But yeah, we had 28 shots, which was the most by any side in any Premier League game this season, uh, which you really were not expecting in a game against Tottenham. And, you know, I'd see, there was articles coming up just before this game about our Tottenham title challengers that, you know, Conte's men are coming in like dark uh, in the shadows, whereas everybody's focused on City and Arsenal. Uh, but, yeah, they didn't look anywhere, anywhere near that in this game. And, yeah, I was like, surprised how bad they were, uh, you know, as good as we were as well. Um, but, yeah, look, let's see where we go then. And, and next we go straight on. I mean, we will talk about it more towards the end of the show, but. This week has been crazy. 6 days, Newcastle, Spurs and then Chelsea. Um I was th- even saying before this if we come out with three draws maybe we're doing all right. So we're already ahead of that with a win and a draw on the table and no goals conceded either. It's just been kind of finishing off that was our big problem in the two games before this. Uh ammonia as well, you know, we should mention in that we were at xG of something like 4 and only just came out with a last minute goal. So yeah, our finishing recently has been a problem. And yeah, I know there's been a lot of headlines given to it. I don't want to talk about it at so much, but we obviously have to mention that Ronaldo did not start this game. Uh, that was the big difference in the kind of lineup compared to Newcastle where we didn't end up scoring and didn't end up making as many kind of clear chances either. Whereas, yeah, Rashford starts up front. Uh, and I think certainly by now, surely everybody must be on board in seeing the vast difference in how we play when Ronaldo starts and when he doesn't.
0: Well, look at, the difference in how well, well, the only difference like you mentioned was that Ronaldo didn't play, and magically Bruno and Fred were much better. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. like there's he, he doesn't look at the spaces that Fred was in yesterday. He was constantly occupying like a center forward space, which is what Ten Hag wants him to do, right? And he has Rashford drifting out wide a little bit. Ronaldo doesn't do that. He just constantly drops he drops deep to get possession, but he does nothing with it. Um I just think that, and and the our pressing yesterday was it was the best it's been. I mean, especially the last 15 20 minutes of that match Spurs couldn't get out at all. Um they they could not get into our attacking third even a little bit and I don't think that's possible under Ronaldo. I agree there's it's not even worth talking about because anybody who still thinks he deserves to play is just a moron. Um he's been awful. His attitude is awful. If he can't see like if he can't accept that he's 37 years old and he needs to be a rotation player at best at this point then that's his problem it's not anybody else's but his uh i have zero interest in watching him play again unless it's for like 10 minutes at the end of a match and even in those instances he's come and done nothing in the newcastle match you could see as soon as he went off our play improved we created more chances and yeah fred should score rashford should score we should win that match. But the fact is, we didn't even create those type of openings. We didn't press. We didn't do any of that for the, what is it, 70 minutes that he was on? And then the last 20 minutes, all of a sudden, um, you know, you again see the team play more effectively, press more effectively, uh, deny chances more effectively. It's it's just, it's too obvious at this point. and And, um, you know, I, I just, I, it's not, again, like you mentioned, it's really not worth discussing because... It's just so transparent what's happening. And if you can't accept that, then, you know, maybe maybe this isn't the sport for you.
1: Well, I mean, one person who doesn't seem to have accepted it is Ronaldo. Uh, I mean, he's walked off the pitch, doesn't seem too happy about not getting on there at all. I mean, I know Imran, I remember having this conversation with you last season where, you know, there was this debate all season long about is. Can you are you know, some people were saying, where would we be without Ronaldo's goals last season? And he obviously scored a shitload of goals. And in fact, in this game last season, he scored a hat trick, and Conte said before the game, we didn't lose to Manchester United last season, we lost to Ronaldo. And I do see where he was coming, you know, apart from those kind of goals, we didn't have much. And but there was this big discussion amongst a lot of fans about was Ronaldo's goals worth it, or other people were saying, look, he's scoring those goals, but he's taken away from the rest of the team. And now, yeah, I think we can see a lot more of that this season when you see the difference between him coming in and out. But yeah, as I say, he doesn't seem willing to accept this. He doesn't seem willing to accept being a squad player, that he might come in from the bench. So yeah, I don't know. Where do we go with Ronaldo from here now? I mean, I think we're all,
2: I think, well, Ten Hag's probably counting down the days until he can not have a Ronaldo problem. I think it just it must be frustrating for him. You know, your team have won 2-0, played the best football we've played all season. And the the the, the news is about Ronaldo leaving the Bench at 89 minutes, all about him again, and it's just, I mean, must be just very irritating for him. It's irritating for us, I feel like we should be talking about great. Yeah, I, so I don't and... want to
1: focus on it too much, but we obviously have to give a quick but, uh, but what I would say to it, what
2: we'll say quickly on what you've just said is look, last season we weren't really a team either. If you look at us under Ten Hag on the we didn't really have an identity, we didn't we weren't working well as a team, we didn't really have a purpose. Um, there was no current football going on. And so, yeah, we were reliant on Ronaldo because he was our star man up front having to make things happen because, you know, he could do that. But now we're actually a team with a a purpose and an identity and he doesn't fit that identity. And now we're seeing, actually, yeah, we we are better off without Ronaldo now. That might have not have been the case last season because we were di- we were a different team last season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's also just like, he's not even trying to be part of that identity, right? That That's the frustrating part because... I can understand that he's 37 years old so like you know you can try and it just not come off or you know you struggle with elements of it he's just not even trying and um you know like part of that is yesterday's match like he's upset that he didn't come on meanwhile like that's I think we all agree that was at, at least for this season that was clearly the best performance we've put in um you know I think that's crazy and obviously it didn't happen and he left late on, but like, you know, what if there was an injury? Like, what if Rashford got hurt? You know, you would need, you would put Ronaldo on probably. So that's
1: exactly why, you know, Ronaldo started that Newcastle game. In that game, we were all of a sudden, the injuries were mounting up. We had a lot of young players on the bench. And yeah, Ronaldo was the best option for that game. Uh, You know, he is still part of our squad and we are light up front anyway, where we know that Martial has barely featured all year. And even, with Martial, with Ronaldo, we were still kind of looking at being pretty light in the striker position. You know, for me in the summer, it was the one position that I thought we needed to strengthen that we didn't. So it's already an area that's a problem for us. So yeah, he's can still do his bit for us. And I did feel like a bit, a few weeks ago, I kind of thought that maybe he was accepting his place uh, as being part of the squad, as, you know, he looked happy when we were doing well. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe yesterday, the fact that we played so well without him was that kind of big message to him that, listen, we are better off without you.
2: Light bulb moment. <laughs> uh, but,
1: but let's yeah. talk about how
2: good we were. Come on. Yeah, exactly.
1: Let's go back. Let's look. Let, I think an interesting, actually, one on this is because, yeah, I've seen, you know, look at all the post-match stuff. I think Bruno got Man of the Match on the night. I think uh, he also got it on manunited.com. But I thought there was like at least four or five players that could have been in contention for Man of the Match yesterday. Uh, I mean, Oshwin, I don't know if you had a particular pick out for your star yesterday.
0: Uh, I, I thought Fred was the man of the match. Um, Agreed. I, I thought what, he, he should have had an assist. He maybe should have had a second assist. Uh, the ball was a little bit behind Rashford in the air, but I also think Rashford just is bad in the air, and he misjudged it. Uh, he had a goal, obviously, which, you know, fortunate goal, but he the fact he he kept putting himself in positions, he kept making runs, he was a monster pressing the ball. I, I don't even know. I think at the end of the match, I, I'm not sure. I I had some very totally legal stream that I was watching it on. Um, I don't know who the commentator was, but he was it was like the last two, three minutes. And I think Fred, he wanted to play Rashford in, but just like could not, just literally couldn't do it fast enough before Rashford got on offside. And the commentator was just saying, you know, Fred is he looks like he's absolutely shattered because he's run himself into the ground. And that's what he did. He ran himself into the ground yesterday. I thought he was fantastic. He had some really nice turns, actually, around midfield to get in behind the, to break the lines. Um, he was great. I have no problem with Bruno being man of the match. He was great, too. Like you mentioned, there are four or five people that you could have gone with and I would have been totally fine with. But I just thought Fred was fantastic. Um, and, you know, he 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 just... He was everywhere. He he was literally everywhere. There was, I think, one of the saves that Loris made. Um, it came from Fred counter pressing, winning the ball high, and Rashford immediately being able to get into the box. So um, I thought he was great. Uh, and well, that move started with him nutmegging a player as well, unless yep, we forget. Yep, yep. And uh, and I just thought, like, you know, I I have actually. I think we we've, we've talked about this. I, I talked about this on a previous pod, but like. I think I mentioned Erickson as the third midfielder instead of Bruno, but the idea of just like having Casemiro with Fred and then a third midfielder, because I think Bruno is actually playing a lot more like an actual midfielder now instead of just trying to spam like Hero Ball and trying to create chances out of nothing. Um, But like, I really like how that midfield is, and I like having Fred, you know, when he's running around like a crazy person. But he's not supposed to be your defensive pivot. It works out a lot better. Um, so having Casemiro back there and then just kind of having you know allowing Fred to do Fred things, um, pretty good, pretty good. I liked it. Uh, and I I'll be honest, I thought he got way too much criticism after Newcastle. Did he have a great game? No, but I, I thought he got way too much criticism of the match. And um, again, as soon as Ronaldo goes off. Things happen for various players, so um, I was happy for him, but yeah, you could have gone Bruno, I think you could have gone Casemiro who was excellent uh, and I thought Shaw was fantastic mm. also in this match. What I
2: would say about Fred is, I thought he was pretty bad against Newcastle to be fair, but I thought it was dreadful actually, um, especially on the ball, but he always needs a couple of games to get into the to swing of things it seems. Fred is never a person you can just throw into a game mm-hmm. and he'll play straight away, need to run a game. He showed that last season. And um, after this, like today, uh, yesterday, he was he was magnificent, I thought. I agree with you, man, I match everything he said, yeah. And just the turnaround as well, like when his name gets read out, read out, we sat on the ground and everyone's saying, oh, not Fred again. Why is Fred playing? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that is and actually
1: true. He's still a much maligned player. There's a lot of groans, but yeah. But then by the 75th up, minute, we're back. all chanting
2: his name and everyone's like genuinely saying, give the ball to Fred. Like, I'm not, I don't think I've genuinely heard the Stratford end or be like, give the ball to Fred now. Look at him. Give it to him. Because he was just brilliant. So, yeah, I he, thought he was excellent.
0: I and... think he's got, like, pretty tremendous uh, mental strength, I think. Because I, I'm sure he knows that there is all of this criticism about him, right? But he never really, like, even when he's in bad form and he's struggling, he's, he never shies away from, from the ball, which is, you know, a good or bad thing. But it also just shows that, like, he has that character about him that he's willing to put himself in those positions.
2: And I agree with you on the Luke Shaw shout, once again, proving that interested World Cup year, <laughs> there's a man trying to play for my position, Luke Shaw, is one of the best footballers around. Um, from a technical standpoint, they're not much better than Luke Shaw. Uh, his first touch is imperious. He is a physical specimen. He's quick. He's genuinely a, a brilliant footballer when he can be asked, and he really can be asked at the moment, and it he is fantastic. And he's a massive underrated shithouse, uh, which I love to see just constantly winding up opponents, slapping balls out of people's hands, leaving one in on... I think Maura came on and one of the first things Shaw did was push him <laughs> to the ground and then Maura was scared of him for the rest of the time. Like, he just At one point, he booted Harry Kane. Like, just, you know, just Luke Shaw things. He's great. I love him.
1: know and I'd also like to give a shout-out to our, you know, first-choice centre-back partnership now, Martinez-Baran, who just grown together and look like they've been playing with each other for years and years. The drop off uh, to another centre back batship after them is staggering. Well, obviously, we had had Martinez Lindelof for a few games, uh, you know, conceded a couple of awful goals to the like of Armonia, although, yes, wouldn't put it necessarily totally on Lindelof. But I think there's just a kind of feeling of security you get with a uh, Varan and Martinez there that all of a sudden, if Lindelof comes in, you know, when Maguire had a few minutes of there, it's completely different. Uh, they, they... And, you know, you remember at the start of this season when everybody, Jamie Carragher came out and said, I don't think a centre-back the size of Martinez can make it in the Premier League. Let's not forget, Carragher came out and clearly said that somebody that big cannot play centre-back in the Premier League and is looking pretty bloody stupid now, basically. Uh, but, you know, they just make such a great partnership. And we saw, you know, I was afraid of that Son and Kane kind of uh, coming out against us, uh, especially on the break. But there was nothing, nothing, you know, one kind of chance for Kane that I think maybe was offside anyway, just before we scored our second goal. it was, it was. Uh, But yeah, that was literally it. I don't even remember much else. A couple of long shots maybe from Son, but nothing much else. They were completely (laughs) limited. And uh, those two are so rock solid. I mean, yeah, Martinez had some ridiculous stats yesterday. 100% uh, success rate in his tackles. Is joint most, one day actually, with Casemiro and Luke Shaw. So, yeah, they're all doing su- superb defensive work. Complete like, 90% of his passing, not dribble pass once, four clearances, interceptions. So, yeah, yeah absolutely brilliant was, to see how he settled in so quickly.
0: I think uh, one of the biggest things with those two is w- there was a lot of this, obviously, last year, because last year was the worst year ever, but even, like, you know, when Maguire comes in or when Lindahl comes in, It feels like, forget the you know what they do in possession, how long they take on the ball, all those kind of things. But there's like a willingness to cover for each other, and it's not even just a willingness, but an expectation. So when Varane steps up, he knows that if you know uh, Kane turns him or somebody turns him, that Martinez will be there to clean up, right? And same thing the opposite way. And I just think there's already like there's an inherent trust between them. So it's it it creates like a natural security because they just have a natural understanding um, and also like Varane I've he, he's really he's not that good in possession but I thought yesterday
1: he actually he had some
0: really good passes um, progressive passes look to play the ball forward so um, yeah he, he was excellent yesterday Martinez was excellent yesterday and look let's just say it, I've been the biggest to hater I thought he was really good yesterday yeah, he didn't have much to do but he came off his line a few times He even had a a moment where he sweeped the ball, cleared it out. Uh, He just, he's, and his passing was excellent yesterday. Really, really good, both short and long passing. Uh, He played a few under pressure that found his man. He played it out to the fullbacks constantly. He he was really good yesterday. And, um, you know, hopefully, like the rest of the team, this is him adjusting and developing his own game to fit into what Ten Hag is expecting and wanting us to do.
1: Yeah, we did mention this on the last pod. that uh, Yeah, we were surprised that at his age, De Gea does seem to still be improving on some of those areas where we have all talked about his weaknesses recently. And yeah, definitely his distribution is improving. You seem like, you know, they have gone back now sometimes on playing what I always I always say. I still hate it. It still always worries me. The kind of ticky-tacker-in-the-box thing where Martinez does a little pass to De Gea. He passes it out. It still always worries me that. But yesterday, we managed to pull it off without any kind of problem. Well, what
2: I like about it as well at the moment is it's not it's not a strict rule. De Gea can boot it if he needs to. Yeah, not like a, yeah. He's not like... Under punishment of death if they don't pass it around the back he knows that you can just launch it sometimes which is fine um and also another thing is it just i think the confidence of a keeper grows when you've got like good defenders in front of you um and he knows he's got varan martinez in front of him they're all very comfortable with but he can now know that he can like l- smash the ball at pretty much any of our back four and their touch will be very good like Luke Shaw's first touch is incredible. Like at one point, he literally did just hammer the ball at Shaw, and Shaw just controlled it instantly. But he can pass it to any of them anyway, and they'll generally control it. Dello's very good with both his feet. Um, he's got some flaws with his game, but j- technically, he's a very good footballer. Um, so yeah, just just you know, confidence in his game, and that comes from his back four.
1: Brilliant. We will take a quick break there. Uh, come back to round off this game. Have a quick look at Newcastle, and then look ahead to Chelsea coming up. And we are back. Uh, looks a lot less round off this uh, great Spurs victory over here. Uh, I mean, we talked about the first goal. There was a bit of luck there for Fred, obviously. But, you know, at the same time, you can of say you make your own luck. Listen, uh,
2: if, you're, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're shooting from outside the box 15, 20 times, I'm sorry. That I, I don't think that's lucky in the end, then. If something goes in off someone, they're inviting that on themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that was the only disappointment yesterday that we went in. Nil-nil at half time. I mean, I was saying this to my friend who I was with. I said, look, we've been so much on top. We've had so many chances. It'll be so like a Conte Spurs to now turn up in the second half and do us one on the break or something like that. But thankfully, it was such a brilliant time to score, at least right at the start of the second half and just set the picture for the rest of that half. Uh, And then the second goal was just, yeah, a nice, beautiful, sublime finish from uh, man of the match, Bruno, right? Uh and you know we were talking about how many kilometres Fred and whatever put in. Bruno actually at twelve point seven has actually did the most running of any of our players on the pitch yesterday. Uh which is great to see. And you know, that was a big difference. You see Bruno, Fred absolutely running around like madman, uh, whereas in Casemiro now is just like a bit more chill doing his thing at the back. Uh the quality of Casemiro's kind of passing is what really stands out. As I said, with Martinez, he's still come out with kind of four great tackles but yeah we've mentioned it before and I think we'll mention it for weeks and weeks when you see the difference when say McTominay still done well this season for us had done a lot of hard kind of defensive work but the quality on the ball uh you know from Casemiro you see that kind of first touch passing that you will never see from somebody like McTominay he'll often hold on to it too slow and that kind of chance to move forward and push into the final third is just gone but yeah he's straight on it picking out the right ball first time and maybe we are now starting to see that benefit of having an understanding between Fred and Casemiro, the old uh, Brazilian Fred and Miro partnership, is going really well there. Hmm.
2: I thought you'd be all over Bruno's passing stats, actually.
1: No, I, I had mentioned it. I mean, on the last pod that he's definitely been higher up than he was before. I don't what know. Wearing like the ninety percent is...
2: for this game or something.
1: Uh, i am not got it right in front of me but yeah he, definitely in general he's going 9,
2: 93% I think 93%
1: um, for Bruno's mental he, so do you think that is being that he has taken on board some of the yes. kind of criticism or do you think this is instruction from Ten Hag uh, to say listen think about it a little bit before you send it forward I think he's
0: buying into trust like so much of this is about trusting the system and trusting your principles right so it's like okay yes I can try some ridiculous through ball here but are we better served if I just play it out to DeLo, and he's able to carry it into space 20 yards forward and now we have them pinned in in their defensive third? Like, uh, it just feels like he's playing way more, the last couple of games anyway, um, more mature in terms of, you know, like w- w- I, we've all talked about this, but there are times where it behooves you to just keep possession, right? And not try to necessarily create a chance as soon as you get it. And yesterday I thought he did a great job of that. He wasn't trying to create chances every single time he touched the ball and because of that, um that was part of the reason why we were so dominant because we were working together, we were working triangles, um you know, we were working combinations and I just I I this is maybe the best version of Bruno we've seen. Not the most individually brilliant, but it, it yesterday felt like everything he did yesterday felt very there's no reason he can't do this every single match, right? This is not some moment of brilliance where you were like, oh, wow, what a, what a play, what a sequence. But um, it was just very controlled. And um, yeah, for him to do that, especially like you mentioned, higher up the pitch too. Uh, yeah, it says volumes about kind of him taking on board, I think, what Ten Hag is asking, not just of him, but of the entire team.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also... I, you know, Bruno did that big interview, like, what was it a month ago or something, with The Athletic? Then, if anybody hasn't seen it, it's well worth having a look. It's on YouTube. And, you know, he talked about this, about how he gets stick for giving away the ball, taking too risky a pass. So he knows it's something people talk about. And he basically said that, look, that's the way I am. And, you know, as long as I kind of get my stats on goals and assists, I kind of think it's worth it. So in that way, he kind of almost was saying, I'm not going to change. That's the way I am. And that's the way it's going to be. But, we can see he has changed. And whether it's him deciding it, whether it's Ten Hag telling him, listen, just take a bit of a minute, second to think about it before you play that ball. I mean, yesterday, Bruno made nine key passes. That's the most for any player in the Premier League so far this season in one match. Uh, and is more than the whole Tottenham team managed yesterday in this one game. So, yeah, loads of crazy stats for him, as I say. More running, more key passes. He's got his goal. So, yeah, absolutely worthy of that man of the match over there. Uh, but yeah, the whole team, the whole team played really well yesterday. There wasn't any one player that you Sancho. could really say was letting us down. Apart Sancho. from, well, I was going to say, let's get to Sancho because we have talked about him before. I put out my kind of match lineup as I always do on Twitter before. And I said, listen, for me, Sancho does start, but it's his last chance to show us he's worthy of being in this starting lineup. Uh, I mean, you know, he's lucky that a couple of players have been out. So he is getting that chance. But yeah, I was so disappointed with him. I mean, for that whole kind of first half, he was playing right in front of me where I'm kind of sat. And um, he's just too safe. Like he's, you know, the opposite to Bruno. Never seems to take a gamble. Always just going for an easy ball back. Just trying to recycle possession. Doesn't even move around enough. Also doesn't do anywhere near the defensive work that you see someone like Anthony doing on the other side. I mean, yeah, these are the kind of things that sometimes you see in the stadium that you don't see on the telly where like Anthony is making like 30 yard running back to chase down the kind of Tottenham uh, wing back on that side. And is just, yeah, killing it back and forth, back and forth. So, yeah, I don't know where Sancho goes from here. For me at this point, I would give a run out to whether it's a Langer, whether it's Garnaccio. I mean, they can't do any worse. And you know, I know that Alango does definitely do damn good defensive work for the team as well when it's needed. But I don't see how Sancho stays in this team now.
2: Agreed. I mean, we were on the last pod, and I was slate doing the same slate and the same player. But I mean, it's, I think he started yesterday's game. He, he gave the he was losing possession three times in like twenty seconds, and it and came of that set the tone we're of, in our box. Yeah, and it was just like wake up, man. I mean, it he, he, it seems like every he's just constantly operating on this like half arsed half awake level where it's like everyone else around you is going at 100 miles per hour and you're kind of cruising and it's like, come on pull your finger out and I, I, I agree with you, I think he will start against Chelsea we know um Ten Hag likes to keep a winning formula, I wouldn't mind seeing him come out, I wouldn't mind seeing like putting Bruno on that side and then shoving Ericsson where Bruno plays just to get Ericsson back into the team, but um yeah, I, I, I would. I think I'd, I'd rather see Elanga or Ganacho out And I'm not a massive Elanga fan at all. But at least Elanga will actually try run at someone, especially on that left hand side. He actually does like to run at people on the left hand side as Elanga.
0: Uh, I, I, is Martial? Do we have any update on him? Because Martial's he's,
2: dead. He's a, he's yeah. he just you know
0: <laughs> passed away. Rest <laughs> in yeah. peace. Uh,
1: if he... he's not in training, he's not even in training yet. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean that, that.
0: that's that's the biggest thing because I think like. Rashford as a centre-forward, you're like, man, I wish you would finish some of these chances. But as you're fair, Ra- like, what? Yeah, Rashford as a forward
2: <laughs> he, he, like, he was a pain in their ass yesterday was Rashford. Oh, no, no, you're- yeah, he
0: was, he, his pressing, all that stuff was great. But it's like, you get frustrated with his finishing as a centre-forward. Mm. I think some of those, it, it changes when he's playing on that left wing or that inside left channel, right? Um, I, he's more natural there. I think his finishing is definitely better there. And... You're not, it's just totally different. So, I that would be the ideal. I mean, if Marshall's fit, you play Rashford there, and then Sancho comes out, and now you have him as you know your substitute, which I think it is that that would be a great scenario. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to start against Chelsea. I agree that in general, his defensive work isn't the best. I actually thought yesterday he was fine. Um, I thought he pressed okay. I thought. He, he did do runner. a bit
1: more yesterday, to be fair, but yeah. still nowhere near as much as you see from, say, Anthony on the other
0: side. Which is—but, like, I'm okay with that because if he does—if he keeps doing that, that's like, okay, that means that he is taking on board instructions, and then you would expect him to improve in those elements. So I'm okay with that. But I agree, like, you just want to—yesterday, s- there that he took on his defender a couple of times, and he when he did, he was able to, like, successfully take them on and— you know, then find somebody to pass to. Like, his link-up play, when he does decide to take players on, is actually good. Like, he is good at that. But he just does has not done it enough, and he's not... I, I don't know how to... um. You know, th- and this is like... This is why being a manager is so hard, is I'm assuming that he would like for Sancho to be more confident and take players on and, and you know, provide kind of what we thought we were getting when we bought him but it's like how do you how do you get that how do you bring that confidence out of a player and um you know i i think for this time being it's like i i i get the idea of like well langa will work hard and okay fine but we know that langa in all likelihood is not going to make like the difference in the attacking third right and i think as a manager you're probably willing to risk some of okay, maybe Sancho doesn't get it together this next match, but he's always capable. Like, he's capable of creating a chance out of nothing. I mean, yesterday, he fluked an assist basically out of nothing, right? Obviously, yeah, that's not... Yeah, he does
1: actually have an assist to his name from yesterday, to yeah. be fair to him, yeah.
0: It's it's not the, like, the best example, but like, okay, I mean, it was Ammonia, but he did come on against Ammonia, and he did look sharp. He did create... A, he assisted for that, that goal, right, to McTominay. So it's like... That, I think, is, as a manager, ultimately, you're going to bet on that. And you're like, okay, I I literally have an example of what this player can do. Now my job is to try to coax this out of him on a consistent basis. And, like, to your, to what we're talking about, make sure that he's consistently pressing, doing the defensive work, um, and, and all these things. And I think, you know... Would I ideally stick with him? No. Ideally, Martial would be healthy. We'd start him. Rasher moves to the left and everything is great. That's not the, the world we're living in. I would still start him. Uh, I would start him next match. I think I would. I, I like Elanga, I like him as like an, you know, exactly what he did yesterday. Come out for the last 10 minutes, run around like crazy and great, wonderful. Uh, I don't love him at the start of a match, especially not a match like away to Chelsea. I don't know. I think that's. That's putting him in a position for the calf to lose their mind about how Elango will never be a good player, and he's nothing, and he only gets into the team because he's a British, or not even British, but he's Swedish. an academy player. Yeah, he's an academy player. Um, but yeah, I would I would start Sancho. I think you have to, and I I still think like part of this is him. He he's a very specific type of player who needs like to be on the same wavelength. The way that we're playing now, um, you know, where we are try like starting to show the ability. To get into the attacking third, pin teams deep, combine, all that kind of stuff. I I really think like there's a chance that within the next few matches uh we see kind of what we were hoping to buy from Sancho. I'll, but
2: I'll take I'll take that bet. Um, yeah, I, I, I know you will. I know the thing, you will. the, the <laughs> thing with Sancho is the thing with Sancho is all his best work always comes in the box. Always. You look <laughs> genuinely look at him, he's very good in the box because he's good in tight spaces, players don't want to tackle him in the box, obviously, and therefore he can do stuff. The thing is he just doesn't get into the box. And if he does get the ball in the box, generally he does all right, but he just doesn't do it. Um, It's actually what I want to see more. Both of our wings actually do more. Anthony needs to get into the box more as well. Uh, Anthony's MO is to run full pelt to the edge of the the box, then come inside. Whereas I think a few times he should actually probably try to get into the box and then do some of his skills because he could win penalties like that because people don't want to attack. Anthony. He's got too much skills. Um, And both of them also need to attack the back post a bit more, I think. Um, That's just... uh,
0: Do you like that Antony likes to beat his man, slow down, and then beat him again? Yeah, well, I mean, at least he's beating him,
2: but and then and then check back onto his left foot. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I mean, a lot's been made of Antony's one footiness. I actually don't mind it. Like you can get away with it, but I do think he needs to vary it up a little bit. And sometimes he does need to just go on the outside. Sometimes he does need yep, to get into yep. the box. Can't just stop at the edge of the area, go onto his left, and then cut in. Um, there is but, a
1: lot of players who, over time, have like you know, he was called. I think Paul Skull said he was a one-trip pony. But if you can perfect that trick, I mean, yeah, if you oh, can. Robin did this his whole career. That's all he yeah, ever but did, but he just bagged it in he, every
2: time. But he, Robin would cut inside in the box sometimes, would go into the edge of it, but then cut inside. He would cut inside, but you just don't know when he's going to do it. Anthony literally cuts inside every single time at the edge of the box, get in the box more. Um, also get in the
0: box more when Luke Shaw's going to cross the ball because you don't know what's going to happen at the back post. Do you think some of that though is like, so if he goes further down, right? So, because I know what you're saying, he cuts in like, Right at the top of that box, so that he can get a shot off, basically. Yeah, or
2: across, yeah. Yeah.
0: But, like, I think if he cuts in deeper and then he, like, if he drives down the byline deeper and then cuts in, that's like you have to cross it in that position. And I wonder if some of that is just the fact that we have not had any targets for him in the box. Like, you mm. know what I mean? Like, there's just not a lot of players to pick out from. So if you're him, you're almost like, well, why would I even continue to do this? Because when I do cut in, there's maybe one player in the box. There's well, that's not what I'm saying. Re- we need to get more yeah. people in the box. Because yeah. yeah. both him and yeah. Sancho
2: don't really attack the back post when the ball's on the other side. They kind of wait to recycle possession on the other side, which I kind of get because we want to keep the ball if the ball goes over the ball. But you don't have to be, the, and, and neither of them are great in the air or anything, but you don't have to be to just sneaking at the back post and score a goal. You can be tiny and just sneaking past your fullback and get a goal at the back post. Luke Shaw putting a couple of good balls in the, set, in the first half to the back he, post he area.
0: No one was there. He did almost—I mean, he did try to get on one, and then he took it on his left foot, which really never had a chance of working. <laughs> but, like, he did try to do that. But I, I agree. Like, both, both him—it's not just him and Sancho, right? It's whoever plays in those positions. Yeah, wings, they yeah. all need to— Which yeah, makes they me all think it's to, an
2: instruction from Ten Hag to, to kind of sit out there and mm-hmm. wait in case the ball comes back, and then we can recycle it again. But it just mean we—basically, most of the time yesterday, we only had Fred and, Fred and Rashford in the box.
0: Who do you think is better in the air? Well,
2: (laughs) what a contest.
1: Rashford just... But yeah, look, I guess that is the one thing Ronaldo does give you if he plays. Oh, we're not talking Uh, about Ronaldo again. Move on. Oh, I'm just (laughs) mentioning it is the one thing that he can do, but we still don't get the ball maybe into him that enough in those matches when we need to have it there. Uh, I think the one tactical thing I wanted to give a quick mention to that now we've started to see coming through in this Ten Hag style of play is that we have our fullbacks? They kind of underlap, don't they, on the inside rather than coming on the outside of the wingers. We see both Dallo, both Shore, often ending up in more like more central, almost midfield areas. And uh, that is quite a difference on the tactical side that we haven't seen this uh, under our managers before. So yeah, we're starting to see now that Ten Hag style of play come in bit by bit, and yeah, it is making a big difference. I mean, time and time again, Anthony will be out there, Dallos coming inside of him sure isn't yet doing it as much on the other side but he also hasn't got as much of maybe a settled partner on the left side because yeah it can switch between Sancho between Rashford uh somebody else coming over there but yeah these are the little tweaks that we see Ten Hag is making and I'm sure throughout the season we'll see more and more of this as it comes uh you know Casemiro as well now being more of a fixture in the team whereas before McTominay was playing there makes a massive difference. So, yeah, step by step, Ten Hag is doing it. And I think that was one of the big messages I was hearing on the kind of tram home yesterday. I don't know about you, Imran, that everybody now is fully on the kind of Ten Hag bandwagon. Uh, you know, most people are quite happy about him coming in anyway. But now we've beaten Arsenal, we've beaten Liverpool, we've beaten Spurs. I think that's probably already a better top six record than we managed in the whole of last season, home and away. Uh, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, you know, we're just outside top five now, one point behind Chelsea. But yeah, we cannot be any issues about what Ten Hag has done so far, right? Yeah,
2: it well, we won, we won three top six games last year, twice to Spurs, once to Arsenal. So it's the same. And I don't catch the train home, tram home, Nick. I, uh, I drive, so.
0: What I think is the best, he actually has done a good job of using the squad. Not that the squad is super deep and amazing, but like like, Fred didn't start for a while. Right, and now he's put him back in the starting eleven, and some of that is yes, Erickson was ill, but like he could have gone with McTominay, but he didn't. Right, he was suspended and why? Was McTominay, But he wasn't suspended for the for Newcastle. He was. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. But I'm just saying, like he, but then he kept stuck him in the, with him. The, the, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, he stuck with him, which I think is like me, me, and you can disagree on how bad or good Fred was last match, but the consensus was he was bad. So for him to stick with him mm. says something about him. Um, you know. The only position he really hasn't rotated is Delo, right? And that's because Delo is injured, or they, sorry, he doesn't have any Juan backup. Is injured, yeah. Yeah, Juan Besac is injured. Martinez hasn't come out of the side, but that's also because we just haven't had any options at center half. So he's like the one constant he keeps mm. in. Uh, and then you know, I think he's done a great job of like giving Shaw the kick a kick up the ass that he needed, right? Okay, yeah, you're you're better than Malacia. But if you're not going to show it, then you're going to come out of the team. And I think Shaw even had a quote the other day where he talked about this. Where he mentioned, like, yeah, where he's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you don't play up to your ability, then, you know, the manager's not going to just keep picking Mm. you. And, uh, you know, like, we talked about the Sancho thing. I mean, yeah, he hasn't been great, but he pulled him when he wasn't great. And now he's only back in the team because he's telling Ronaldo, like, I don't care if you're literally Ronaldo. You're not going to play if you're not buying in, if you're not doing the work that I need you to do. Um, You know, I I just think he's done a really good job of sending the right signals, uh, using the squad as much as he can to his disposal while still getting results. And if anything, I would say that what he has done is kind of drive home exactly where we need to be addressing, you know, uh, using our funds to address the squad in future windows. Um, So I just think he's done a really good job considering the circumstances. And I mean, we've probably had one of the most difficult schedules in the league to this point. So to be in the position we are, all things considered, uh, I think speaks very well on um, his job up to now. Hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's another good place for us to take a quick break before we come back to round off by quickly looking at the couple of games that happened since we last recorded and looking ahead to the Chelsea game. And we are back for the last section of the show. Uh, look, I think, we, was there anything else either of you two wanted to mention from that Spurs game?
2: No, Spurs are
1: shit. <laughs> well, <yeah>. uh, nope. <laughs> Lads, at Spurs, comes back out again. As I say, pre-match people were not confident, not looking that forward to it. But yeah, we pulled out a result and yeah, surprisingly oh, easy. Oh.
0: Only one thing I want to mention is I really wish Casemiro had scored that goal because he absolutely leathered that.
2: That oh was a great God. technique on that. Yeah. Right it's actually it. one
1: of those, yeah, which is just too straight. A little bit of curl and that goes into the kind of corner.
0: And and uh, Loris Loris is just he knows he knows he has no chance if mm. that's on target. It was beautiful.
1: But yeah, Casemiro looks pretty desperate for a goal. There's been a few kind of near shots he's had. At
2: some point, he's going to score an absolute oh, yeah. banger of a goal
1: definitely uh i mean look let's have a quick chat about that newcastle game because yeah we did want to record after that but it didn't happen for various reasons i mean my only big takeaway from that game was obvious i thought we were good enough to win it as i said xg was not too different to this spurs game but yeah var to me Shit. absolutely Ugh. it was a joke that day i mean I thought we should have had at least, like, two penalties. Maybe Newcastle should have had one no, as well. No, they definitely should have had a penalty. They should have had I mean... I think that the... was right in front of you, wasn't it? I know, because sometimes, no, as op- I say...
2: Opposite end, but... All right, we okay. All, when, when it happened, we all looked around and said, that's a penalty. Like, it just looked a penalty. It very obviously... I mean, uh, it's very rare. Usually when a pop player opposition players go down the box, everyone's like, oh, get up, whatever, blah, But everyone's kind of like, Ooh, probably a penalty of that. And then they didn't give it, like, yeah, bad shit. And then Sancho goes down. That did look less of a penalty to us, but I was, again, I was at the other other side of the ground and kind of exaggerated his fall. But then when you see it back, it's it's a definite penalty. But this is a problem with VAR. VAR is shit because it's made to be shit by stupid rules that make VAR shit. Um, Instead of having, I've said this to you guys so you can tune out or whatever, but instead of having two referees, referee a game, we have one referee, referee, one game, and then one referee kind of away from him referee the game and they don't work together at all instead of having two referees who can talk about a game say oh what do you think of this what do you think of this it's one referee refereeing the game and one another referee thinking well what does he think of that decision is it a high bar is it clear and obvious i need to guess these arbitrary lines that make no sense i need to guess what clear and obvious means i need to guess what a high bar is and then i can maybe give a decision or not and it's stupid like why can't we just exist in a world where the VAR referee is refereeing, watching a screen, refereeing a game, talking to the ref and thinking, you know what, that was probably a foul of that, maybe you should go look at it. Then we can have a situation where referees can actually go to the monitor and make independent decisions as opposed to, because when a referee goes to a monitor, all they're basically doing is saying well, I've got to go with what this VAR guy says because he's refereed the game independently to me. And it makes it makes no sense really. Instead, you could have two guys refereeing the game together and come to with better decisions as opposed to what we have now, which is just bullshit and ridiculous guessing of what clear and obvious means. Clear and obvious doesn't mean anything. Like, it's a a complete arbitrary notion that shouldn't exist.
1: Yeah, I think that is the problem. Game to game, there's no consistency. Uh, You know, for me, as I said, we should have had two penalties, one on Sancho, one on Ronaldo. To be fair, yeah, Newcastle probably should have had one as well. So yeah, 2-1 in penalties missed over there. There There's also that stupid situation with the kind of Ronaldo disallowed goal. I mean, to be fair, I can kind of see what the issue is there, I can see it from both sides. I mean, it is pretty clear that Newcastle kind of didn't think they had taken the free kick. Yeah, yet. you'd be you'd be
2: fuming if that was against you, really. But but then they were doing that kind of free kick the whole game where the keeper would just knock it to Trippier who would run and launch it. But it that wasn't quite that situation. So I was well, it's a bit funny and a bit funny to argue about. It. I don't think Ronaldo should have been booked. To be fair, I don't think Ronaldo did anything wrong particularly, but um, but yeah, I, it would have been a bit harsh for that to be a goal. But the referee was just poor in general. Um yeah. what Not booking scored
1: one like that once, didn't he? he against, against Tottenham. Spurs, and that, it was that just was bit, exactly
2: the kind same kind of thing. That was a bit nonsense as well. But but yeah, the ref just like he had no idea of what constituted a booking and what didn't. It just changed from moment to moment. He completely ate up the time wasting. Um, completely bought into. Anytime someone went down. The guy got super excited, like "Oh, I get to stop! I get to have a rest!" Like, just just a terrible, one ref- a dreadful refereeing performance, I thought. But yeah, but no, anybody who's like to, a, I don't like to blame our things on refs, and ultimately we should have won anyway. Fred should have scored that open goal, and Rashford should definitely score that header at the end. So we have ourselves to blame at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, we do, and as I say, on XG we had enough chances to win it even without the penalties. But yeah. That was the kind of annoying thing for me. And anyone who's a long-time listener of this show will know I was very anti-VAR right from day one. I think it was awful, awful in that first season. Seemed to slightly get better as they started adapting a few things around it. But again, for some reason, it seems to have gone downhill massively. Uh, And, yeah, no, Imran, as you'll know, when you're in the stadium, when you don't have any replays, you don't know what's going on. It's an absolutely awful just waiting there as well. I mean, I know you will often message uh, when you're sat there saying, you know, was it, was, what's going on? Because, yeah, you don't have anything to go off when you're in the stadium. I mean, I know some stadiums do put things on big screens, but at Old Trafford, there's no screens. You don't see anything. I mean, I've actually now moved my seat this summer. I'm still in, like, J-Stand uh, standing section, but I've moved my seat to the back row of it. And if I now crane my head, I can actually see the the screens in the VIP boxes i can now watch like the var replays from my seat in the stand which actually makes kind of a big difference <laughs> if you actually have some kind of idea of what's going on uh so yeah, yeah specifically the, the, the for VAR.
2: V... <laughs> the frustration with var it... is that it could be good it's just there's shit rules around it that make it be implemented terribly like look offsides were shit right offsides when they first came in was shit because they were trying to examine like these minor details. And offsides are actually decent now. Now they've come up with these ideas that you can have thicker lines, and if the lines are touching then it's on. It kind of works a bit better now. You find less people complaining about those now. Um, So it can be alright, just they make it shit.
0: Um, uh, The the other thing too with this, the VAR stuff, is that it's not just about the Newcastle match, right? It's also like in the Everton match, we had a goal chalked off that shouldn't have been chalked off. and it's like, so now you're at the point where I just have no idea. You don't have any, I have no faith in us getting a VAR decision. Uh, the last one we got was an Arsenal one, which I thought was an obvious foul, which should have been given in real time. I have no idea why it wasn't. And then since then, I just think all of them have gone against us. We even had the one in Europa, right, where uh, I forgot what his name was, but he went in straight up, two-footed, off the ground, in on Casemiro. That could have been an easily a broken leg or something. Luckily, it wasn't. But that, that was given as yellow. VAR looked at it and determined there was no reason. To, so it's like, I just have no idea what v, when VAR is good. What is the point of it? What What is the standard? There's no uniformity to it. Um, it it's just, it's not done well. And I there's no point in even saying, like, get rid of it because they're not going to get rid of it. But then just do a better job with it. You know, like, I still can't believe that Rashford goal was taken off. I think you mentioned this on the last spot, Imran, but like, Nobody on Everton. Nobody on Everton's team was even complaining about it. Not a single person. There was not a single person that was up at the up with the ref, you know, demanding that, you know, oh, look at it, go look at the re- re- replay, demanding it be chalked off. So, I have no clue what the standard is. I mean, if VAR had, like, even if that's the rule, right? Let's say any time it touches your hand, automatically
1: well, it is, has it to is be, the rule, you know. Yeah, but- right but right but, but like, we said on the same that at west ham it also touched two players hands and those goals were given right. in similar situations so yeah right. that's always the issue no consistency and, and they're not sure exactly what the rules are and they keep changing it and nobody can well, really keep track of where it's going
0: can, can they just have like a common sense rule because i think common sense would have been like would anybody literally would a single person have cared if they had not, if they had just given that goal i don't think a, i don't think it would have been brought up I don't think anybody would have complained. It would have been fine. Just make, just use common sense. Can that be the rule? Is that okay? Are we allowed to just have a common sense rule? But I don't know. I, I VAR is very frustrating. I'm happy that. I mean, who knows? We probably would have missed the penalty against Newcastle since we decided we could not score that match. But it was just one of um, those
2: games, I think, as well. Yeah, that that was yeah. part of it. It's one of those frustrating afternoons. Newcastle set up to very much frustrate us. Sit deep. Time waste from the get go. Uh, yeah, one of those days. and But like I said, Fred should really score that up and goal. Probably would have done against Newt Tottenham. Been a bit up to speed in his games and Rashford has to score that header. But he's not that great in the air, unfortunately. Um, None of our players are very good in the air, apart from Ronaldo. And we don't want him to play. So, you know.
1: Yeah, that is the way it goes. Uh, but yeah, look, three games it was anyway. Three clean sheets, which is nice. We had not had many so far this season. And now next one we're rolling on to is Chelsea away. As I said, we've just come off three home games. Not conceded in any of them. But now, yeah, we go to Chelsea. It's been a crazy week. Six, six days, uh, three matches, basically, this Newcastle-Tottenham-Chelsea run. And then we have a couple more matches that takes us to the end of this crazy October, which will be nine games by the time we come to it. Because then, yeah, we have home to Sheriff and West Ham to round off uh, October. But look, this Chelsea game's coming up. We've always t- already talked a little bit about Sancho, whether he stays in, whether he stays out. Uh, I mean, I'm always as well worried about players' kind of freshness, fitness. I expected more rotation. Uh, Ten Hag is not rotating that much. But yeah, well, I guess when you're playing well, when results are coming, you don't want to change it that much. And then he has had some forced kind of changes on him, of course, due to players coming in and out through, through injury.
0: If we... If we can get through Chelsea, though, he can rotate against Sheriff. Yeah. Sheriff at home is a match you absolutely should and be comfortable rotating, especially because at this point, we're not going to overtake Sociedad on goal difference, so we just have to beat them two nil at their place um that's we have to win by two at their place that's that's the ultimate like. We actually have to win to by win two,
1: group. or yeah. if we win two one three two, it is actually good enough okay. as well. A s- beat one so nil. a
0: score. Okay, All right. Okay, so yeah, like that. That's ultimately what we have to do. So I just think stick with this right. Run- stick with stick with what worked. I, I I would understand like bringing in Ericsson. Yeah, that
1: is the big question. Does yeah. Ericsson come back in this team? We just said you both said Fred was man of the match. Uh, Fred and Miro, you know, they know each other. they are a kind of good partnership <laughs> there. So yeah, the big question, Ericsson looks like he's going to be fit, came in for the last few minutes. I mean, he's done this a couple of times now, Ten Hag, likes to bring people back slowly, did it with Varane, done it with Rashford, whereas you know Ole used to throw in half-fit players all the time. Uh, I think it's nice to see Ten Hag gives them just a kind of 10-minute run out and then you assume he will be fit for the next game. But what, Oshwin, is Ericsson in or are you sticking with uh, Freddie Miro?
0: I would probably stick with with uh, with Fred and uh and Casemiro I Nick is a really big fan of the combined midfield names <laughs> McFred Fred Amiro. uh no I I think I would stick with it it was it was just too good of a performance that I, I don't know it would I wouldn't I would understand right if he if he brings in in Ericsson, I don't think I would I would not lose my mind about it but I just it's tough I I I would prefer to keep this team in i also i don't think chelsea's midfield is good i don't think their possession plays that great out of the back pressing them high to me would be a pretty good idea especially because reese james is out who is their best like progressor from the back i would like to play them high i would like to challenge them high i think you can take the game to them a little bit and um fred does that Probably better than Ericsson does. Although there's also the argument of like Ericsson is a better player in possession. So maybe that's another way you can take the game to Chelsea proverbially. So um, I'll say this I'm happy it's not my choice.
1: What about you, Imran? Um, I
2: would, I mean, I do feel like I, I wouldn't mind seeing Bruno on the left and Ericsson in the middle just to give us a bit more, just to put Ericsson on the pitch, really. But I know it's a, big, a, bit, a bit of a big shift and putting Bruno on the left isn't his. Best position, and Bruno just had a good game at attacking midfield. So you know, I won't be too unhappy with whatever he does. I would keep Fred going though. After that performance, I don't think you can take Fred out. So I definitely, I definitely would keep him in. And if that means Eriksson on the bench, so be it. To come on maybe in the second half if things aren't going our way, because it is a tough game. Stamford Bridge. Um, I think we've won there for quite a while in the league. Um I'm trying to think of when the last time we won. I think we've drawn a couple. Um And plus, my 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 man crush, Graham Potter, is there now, being all handsome after his makeover so you know he can beat us twice in what three months
1: yeah yeah look it is the most difficult part uh yeah we like actually say we do not have a good record at Stamford bridge we do not have a good record against potter uh chelsea and not in the best form they were just nil nil last night weren't they and undefeated and under potter, though, still. yeah fair enough yeah he's doing a pretty good job but yeah he's still not found kind of their best team uh, glad to see Rhys James is out for Chelsea, not great for England. But yeah, it will be a definite positive for us that he's not available for that game. I mean, I, yeah, I think Imran, maybe I'd push towards what you were saying of trying to bring Ericsson back in there and maybe then shifting Bruno out wide, especially since we're saying Sancho is not tearing up the place anyway. Uh, but maybe then, you you know, you go back to this, what we used to have often, like putting square pegs in round holes where not everybody's <coughs> necessarily in their best position. You're just trying to get what you think are your best players into the team. So I'm not sure whether you stick with the kind of system, you stick with the players there. I, the other thing about Eriksson coming in is maybe it gives a bit of freshness. A lot of these players now have played a lot of minutes. I mean, do you think Casemiro can play three 90-minute games in one week? Uh, yeah. He's not fully, fully fit. I mean, all right, he, would, he hadn't played a lot of minutes before that, so maybe he can do it. And as you say, Oshwin, there is then that opportunity to rotate against Sheriff. Uh, midweek, the week after. But yeah, I th- I'd say that is his biggest decision. I mean, I would give somebody else a run out out wide if um, whether it's even yeah, a langer, just for freshness, partly, just for freshness. I mean, I don't see how you can have all these players playing that many games in a week, but I've always said this. I've always been one who expects rotation, players coming in and out, and managers seem, Ole definitely did not like to rotate. And uh, I don't know whether Ten Hag is just doing it because it's early days or whether that's his way as well. But yeah, get a month where you're playing nine matches, a week where you're playing three games. I think it's a lot to be looking at players playing and playing to their top, top level in all those matches. Uh, so yeah, it will be interesting, especially somebody like Casemiro. You can see he's still, he is now getting used to it, but for a couple of games, you could see he was taking a bit of time to adjust to the speed, to the intensity of the Premier League. But yeah, he's looking pretty well and good in it now. Um, but yeah, that is the biggest decision to go with. and the top four race is really hotting up now you know we're banging there one point behind chelsea in fifth place uh, newcastle are another point behind us but have an extra game played liverpool are now back in the picture after a couple of wins i, I don't know how you're feeling about that i mean imran you still said on the last pod you didn't think we could make top four i'm not going to ask you every week so yeah i'm going to ask Oshwin. where, where how are you feeling about top four at the moment
0: i think we'll get top four I think we're better than Chelsea. Um, I think we're better than Liverpool. I think we are better than Spurs. So, yeah, I expect us to get top four. I'd be pretty disappointed. we're going third, then? Yeah, I think I would be pretty... I would be very disappointed if we don't finish top four at this point, based on what I've seen of all these teams. Um, I'm not impressed by Chelsea. I don't care how much Imran loves Graham Potter. Uh, They do not impress me. They have been outperforming their XG under him. Uh, they don't create chances very well, which was a problem under him with with Brighton. Also, they didn't create a lot of chances despite how beautiful and pretty all their patterns were. Um, yeah, I, I just... I think we're a better team. I think we have more talent. I think we have better balance. The biggest thing is Casimero. If he can just stay fit, if he stays fit, then I feel very comfortable um, with our ability to finish top four. If he gets hurt, that is a problem. Yeah, I think the back falls a bigger I,
2: problem. It, it, uh, and
0: Martinez, and that's more essential. More, more, Mar- more Martinez than even Varane because, I mean, I know Lindelof is an ideal, right? But like, he can play that right center back. But if Martinez goes out, he's so important to us moving the ball forward because of you know the balance he gives us playing that position. I think that's a bigger issue. But like, yeah, I, I just, I agree. Like, I think those. Those two or three positions are more important than anything else. As long as we can stay, if we can stay relatively fit there, I think we're just a much better team than, uh, than those three, for sure.
1: Yeah, and no, I mean, I already said last week that I was now feeling pretty confident that we should be finished in the top four somewhere. But this, yeah, Chelsea game will be absolutely vital in that one. Uh, and You know, Imran, we said we hadn't had a draw yet this season. We said it was going to be inevitable that the Newcastle game was a draw, and it was a draw. Uh, but yeah, going away to Chelsea, I would actually happily take a draw, even though a win, of course, would takes us above them. Uh, this 2-0 win yesterday finally puts us back to a zero goal difference, by yes, the way. That, you so know, that's, usually, that's usually
2: in line for us to get hammered 5-0, so... <laughs>
1: yeah you know we'd been sat on like a minus goal difference and it's the kind of anomaly towards the top of the table uh, even like you know Newcastle and Liverpool below us are on a like plus 9 plus 10 whereas we're still sat on zero because of that uh Brentford hammering and also yeah shipping a few goals to city um But, yeah, we are finally back to zero, thankfully. So, yeah, on parity at least. Uh, So, yeah, let's see where we go from there. But, yeah, look, we will definitely come back and record after that Chelsea game. Uh, Do want to give a shout out to our sponsors, footballprizes.co.uk. Last week they had an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer shirt and they had this kind of weird screen in there. Never seen anything like it. Greatest moments again and again. Uh, This week uh, there's an Eric Ten Hag signed and framed shirt on offer. To head over there. I know actually Ed himself uh, had bought a couple of tickets for it last week. He really wanted that Ole shirt. Unfortunately, he didn't get it. Uh, There's various other prizes on offer there. You can go and see. There's like cash prizes, TVs, uh, various other stuff on offer. So go and have a look at footballprizes.co.uk. And uh, the other cool thing is when you buy a ticket for one of these competitions, they then do the draw live on Facebook. So, yeah. Can have a bit of fun watching that come out live, but yeah, use the code UH10 and you'll get a nice little discount on your ticket. But as I say, the big United prize on offer this week is an Eric Ten Hag signed shirt, and there's only 99 tickets available for that. Uh, and I will say, actually, often they don't even sell all the tickets, so you have a pretty decent chance of winning one of these prizes. Uh, so yeah, head over footballprizes.co.uk code UH10. And yeah, unless either of you two have I've forgotten anything major or anything like that, I think, yeah, that's it. Go on. Just one one bit of housekeeping as
2: well. Uh, Spotify, you can now rate podcasts. So we don't ask you for much on this pod, but if you can go to Spotify and give us five stars, don't give us four. Give us five. Be generous. Give us five stars on Spotify. That'd be great. And in fact, wherever you get your podcast, always do rate us. It really helps us on apple or whatever podcast thing you're using just give us five stars but yeah if you're listening on spotify if you listen to this now go to spotify give us five stars thank yeah, you yeah
1: get straight over we're actually i think we're at 4.9 at the moment on spotify so yeah thanks for all those ratings already but if you haven't done it head over there and yeah apple is the other big one where you can rate and it does help the show out a lot in kind of rankings and stuff like that so yeah if you're listening on spotify or apple go and give us a five-star rating right now and yeah, that is it for now. We will be back after that Chelsea game. And yeah, let hope, less hope we're still banging firmly in that top four race.
0: No predictions?
1: Uh, um, I, I, I said I'll take a draw. I'm predicting a 1-1 draw.
2: Yeah, I'll take a one all draw and a, and a new Prime
0: Minister. Uh, two, <laughs> uh, 2 on United win.
1: All right, all right. Feeling bullish. Yeah, I hope, yeah, that'll get us really bang in the top four. Let's hope Bush wins the right one on this. We will see on the next show. Good night for now.
2: United Hour is part of the Sports Social Network, edited by Imran Lahair, and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter, United underscore Hour, or email us at unitedhour at gmail.com.